Wow. Wow. So good to be with you today, Overlake. So good to praise Jesus together. Go ahead and grab a seat. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'd love to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. For those of you who may be just checking out Overlake for the first time, maybe you're just checking out church for the very first time, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. And really what we just sang about, that is the premise of everything. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was. We believe he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again from the grave, that, that he is a resurrected Lord living and present with us. And because we have a relationship with him, we can rise above our circumstance. We can rise above the things that trip us up, our struggles, our trials. And uh, so that's kind of the, the premise. We're going to be celebrating that completely and specifically at Easter in two weeks. We'd love to have you come and bring friends, family. Um, it's going to be a great celebration. What I do want to let you know is that we're in the middle of a series right now called March Wellness. And this is one of those incredible but very unique kinds of series in which we're talking about how God wants us to steward not only our soul, but our mind and our bodies as well. And so we've had a series of unique messages as we've gone through this series, we, you know, talking about what would Jesus eat and, and how did Jesus approach, you know, fitness and physical wellness and these kinds of things. And and I do want you to know that there was a 30-day challenge associated with this. Many of you, in fact, hundreds and hundreds of you have made that 30-day commitment. It's on the wall as you're leaving. You can take a look at those, pray for your brothers and sisters about how they're doing in their 30-day challenge. But I do want you to know this. Redmond Athletic Club said, we want to be a part of this. So they're giving all of over like a free month. So if you need a gym, you're in Redmond. Uh, come to the Redmond Athletic Club. You know, you just tell them you're from Overlake doing the March Wellness. They'll set you up with, with a free month. But not to be outdone. The YMCA in Bellevue, just great, great people down there. They have said, we want to give over like two free months. So they're, they're doing one better. So if that's kind of convenient for you, you're down in Bellevue or, the, or that's sort of the area that you are, please go to the Bellevue YMCA. Just let them know you're with Overlake doing the, the March Wellness thing, and they'll set you up, you and your family. So really, really cool the way other folks have come alongside this. I've heard some great stories about people even in competition over their own March Wellness. This has brought a lot of joy to so many. But what I want to do is I just want to remind us, by way of review, that it, it, it's so unfortunate that what we do is we think about ourselves, we think about humans in three completely distinct categories, spirit, body, and mind, completely separate. And I just want you to understand, it was the Greeks who screwed us up. I'm not talking about how they butchered yogurt. I'm talking about how they have butchered the idea of a human being. Because the biblical idea, the Hebrew idea, the idea that God had in mind from the beginning is not three separate silos, categories, but rather an integrated whole. That we are a being completely interconnected. That there's no way to divide out the body. And say, oh, that doesn't matter when you're stewarding your soul. No, of course it matters. And, and to divide out the mind, oh, that doesn't matter. No, because you know what? Your body actually influences your mind and your emotions. The way that you steward your spirituality, of course, your body and your mind have all kinds of things to say about how your spirit is stewarded. So we want to recognize that, that if, if we are in this relationship with God, 
If we have placed our trust in Jesus, then, then part of his call is to be a steward of the things that he's given us. What has he given us? He's given us our financial resources. We need to steward that well. He's given us this earth, this planet. We need to steward that well. He has given us this vehicle, and so we need to steward that well. And as we steward well, there's a gift that Jesus wants to give us. So I put this, we're going to start with this verse. These are the words of Jesus. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Circle that phrase. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And today what we're going to do is we're, we're going to talk about some things. They, they, there's a variety of things we're going to talk about and do some work around, but they all allow us to steward well our mind and to step into the peace that Jesus has brought for us, to really receive the gift of peace that he has. That's my prayer for us, is that we would know and experience the peace that Jesus wants to give us. If you're filling in the blanks, the first one, really, really simply, we're talking foundational level, is the word breathe well. The first truth, we need to breathe well. And some of you are like, oh, I got this one nailed. I breathe all the time. If I can't breathe, Heimlich, I know it. And, and, and you're like, I've got this one. What I want you to do is I want you to think about it at one level deeper than we typically do. Understand that the breath we have in our bodies is the breath of God. You see, the only thing in all of creation that is made in the image of God and animated by the breath of God is you. It's humanity. God made male and female in his image and animated their life with his breath. So I want you to understand this is the biblical idea that it's not just my breath, it's the breath of God giving me life. Job 33.4 says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. What this means is that stewarding the treasure of our breathing is caring for the very breath of God. By the way, it's the only function we have as, as physical beings that is both involuntary and voluntary. It's both automatic and mindful. And I want to show you what I mean right now. If I could have everybody just sit up a little bit straighter, throw your shoulders back just a little bit more. I want you to take a deep breath in through your nose and then exhale through your mouth. Ready? Let's go. Thank you for brushing your teeth today. <laughs> now listen, when you did that simple exercise, two things happened immediately. Number one, you were more calm. Number two, you're more alert. Is that incredible? You think those things are in contradiction. They're not. When we breathe well, when we oxygenate our physical bodies well, steward our breathing well, you're more calm. You're tapping into more of the peace that Jesus has brought to you. And you're more alert. You're more ready for what God has next. Psalm 46.10 says this, be still and know that I am God. Aren't you glad that that verse didn't say, work harder, study harder, memorize more scripture, more sweat, more toil, more struggle, try, 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 and you'll know. 
It says, be still and know that I am God. I am convinced that there is a connection between the stillness and the knowing. And stillness is one of those great opportunities to just breathe deeply, to just feel the oxygen energize all of the cells in your being. Again, this is how God has made us. Next fill in the challenge to sleep well. Sleep well. Again, we're going foundational. Some of you are like, I sleep all the time. I sleep every day. Some of you are like, I'm going to sleep right now. Wake up. Come on. All right. Sleep. Now, one of the truths of our lives is that we know a good night's sleep refreshes us. But we don't know why. We think maybe it's just because uh, that there are these four sleep cycles and our body needs to click through all four of them, and that is definitely a part of this. I just want you to understand that we have an opportunity to steward our sleep so that we can experience all of the fullness that God has for us. Because does God care about sleep? Absolutely. There's all kinds of verses in the scripture about how God cares about our sleep. I put a couple of verses on your outline, but I want to skip down to the third one there. It's Psalm 127.2. And it says this, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. That is a beautiful poetic phrase. Eating the bread of anxious toil, look, for he, for God, gives to his beloved sleep. You are the beloved of God. He wants to give you this gift of sleep. And I, I do recognize that, that for some of us, we don't get a good night's sleep, and then we come in settings like this, and the guy's just droning on and on and on, and it's just a wonderful place to catch up on a nap. In fact, I do want you to know that, that we found a picture of my dad in every church service that he has ever attended over the course of my life. Um, just kidding. He's not a cat. We actually have a picture of him right here. Just kidding, he's not a dog, Uh, he's my father. But he did rest his eyes quite often. He actually called it meditation. (laughs) Uh, But I, I, I caught on rather quickly. So here's what I want you to know, that you know if you don't get a good night's sleep, you're murky, you're groggy the next day. You don't have mental clarity. You know this about yourself. You just don't know why. So let me drop a little knowledge on you, okay? This is, this is how it works. Your brain, it uses 25, it's this electrical powerhouse. So it uses 25% of all of the energy of your body utilized in your brain. It's only 2% of your body mass, but 25% of the activity. Now, just like every other organ in your body, it has to have a good supply of blood and oxygen. And so there are these blood vessels that go all over in your brain, supplying those things to your brain. You got your blood vessels, you got your oxygen flowing, it's wonderful. But there's something that happens in every organ, in every cell, and that is a healthy organ produces waste. Healthy cells produce waste. Your whole body has a system for how to eliminate waste. It's called the lymphic system. Your lymph nodes are a part of that system. There's all these vessels that flow through your body, eliminating waste, but there are no lymphic vessels in your brain. It's already packed tight. Your skull is kind of keeping it all there. You got your blood vessels, you got your brain cells. It's all kind of tightly compacted there. And and so how is it 
that waste is removed from your brain. Well, check this out. It's because of your spinal fluid. It, it, it comes into your brain, and there are no vessels that it comes in. I've seen this on video. It's just amazing. It travels along the outside of your blood vessels. So it's this elegant design that God has created. Having no vessels of its own, this, this spinal fluid comes along the outside of your blood vessels, and it goes into every nook and cranny of your brain. Not only that, but your brain cells actually contract just a little bit, providing more space for this fluid to come in through your brain and to remove all of the waste. By the way, what happens if you don't remove the waste and the proteins produced by your brain, it's one of the indications that uh, triggers Alzheimer's. So it's very important that this waste gets removed every single day. But here is the kicker. When does this happen? It only happens when you're asleep. It only happens when you're asleep. Every night when you go to sleep, God begins to wash your brain. He's cleaning house, right? This is his elegant design system for us. You wake up feeling refreshed. How is that? Because he has literally freshened your brain and all of the waste has been removed. Friends, that's God who did that. Come on, somebody. Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing to me. And that's why it's refreshing. And, and yet here, we, we know this, but yet there are ways that we steward our lives that wreck our sleep. So let me just give you a few things that we do that wreck our sleep. Uh, this is, these are the sleep busters. The, the first sleep buster is technology. By the way, if you don't believe me on this stuff, that's fine. Go ahead and look it up yourself. Many articles about all these things. Uh, technology is absolutely a sleep buster. First and foremost, we're kind of addicted to technology. We're on it way too late at night. Second reason why technology messes us up is we put our phone by our bed or we put it on the dresser across the room and it's humming and buzzing and dinging and beeping or whatever it does. And every time that happens, it disrupts our sleep cycle. It busts our sleep, right? Prevents us from having restorative sleep. The next sleep buster is alcohol. And some people think, no, 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 alcohol doesn't wreck sleep. It's actually a depressant. It helps me sleep. Alcohol might help you fall asleep. But the sleep you get is not restorative sleep. Why? Because alcohol, we know this, it's a toxin. So your body has to remove that toxicity from your system so your body is actually working. Your body's working over the course of the night. You wake up, you're not rested. You haven't experienced that restorative sleep that God has in mind for us. Next, sleep buster, intense television or movies. Some of you binge watch Walking Dead, six episodes, and then you go to bed and you're like, why can't I fall asleep? Because you're terrified. Right, we do this all the time. We do this to ourselves. Oh, I, just want my, I just want one more episode of 24, then I'll crash out. You won't crash out. You'll pretend you're Jack Bauer, you know? Like, that's, it, we, we do this to ourselves. This is why I don't watch Downton Abbey. It's too intense for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I love Downton. It's awesome. All right. But the idea is we do this to ourselves. Nobody's making us. We do it, right? This is a stewardship issue. And the last is worry. Worry is a sleep buster. We're hypervigilant. We worry about things that have happened, things that haven't happened, things that could never happen, but we stew, we process, we grind ourselves down. And, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, 
all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. What's crazy to me about this is that Jesus, the guy who said this, Jesus, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, he rested himself. He prioritized sleep. Jesus got tired in his earthly ministry, and so he slept in order to be refreshed. He didn't worry. Jesus never worried. We don't have one picture in Scripture of Jesus worried. Now, what's interesting is there is a passage in Scripture where the disciples are worried. They're on a boat. The storm comes. The disciples are very worried. They're very anxious. They have no idea what's going to happen, how they can survive through this scenario. They're worried. What's Jesus doing? Sleeping. He's asleep in the boat. They wake him up. Jesus, wake up. You need to worry too. We're going to die. Don't you care? We're going to die. Jesus wakes up. He says to the storm, stop. He says to the disciples, stop. He says to you and I, hey, stop. Stop. Don't be worried or anxious. No, instead, come to me if you're weary. If you're heavy burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. Okay, all right. So we have to prioritize this idea of breathing well, of sleeping well. The third truth here, we need to intentionally sharpen the mind. Intentionally sharpen your mind. This incredible computer, this amazing organism that God has crafted, developed, that he's put within us, he, he gives us this gift so that we might maximize it. And again, again, we, we never compare, right? So it's not that we compare ourselves to one another. Oh, he's way smart. She's not that smart. Like, no, 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 no. It, it, we, we have an opportunity to steward well our mind. And what we know, science confirms this, that all of our brain is use it or lose it. If we don't use our brain, we end up losing our brain. If we don't continue to have this priority of sharpening our minds, we miss out. And so the next fill in there is the challenge. Keep learning. Keep learning. Proverbs 15.31 says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you'll only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. See, growing in wisdom, growing in understanding, this is sharpening our mind, right? This is that challenge that we're receiving to keep learning as we go. And again, this is another one of those topics. There are so many passages of Scripture that have to do with this. Um, I'll, I'll skip down to Proverbs 19.8. It says, to acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper, in other words, you, you, you'll actually, you'll, you'll be loving yourself. You'll be honoring yourself. You'll be treating yourself if you acquire knowledge, if you go after wisdom and understanding. One of the phrases that we use is leaders are learners. And when we stop learning, we stop leading. And so the challenge that we want to receive is just, yeah, we want to keep growing, keep sharpening our mind. A few ways to do that. Music does this, uh, instrument learning, language does this, learning a new language or increasing your vocabulary. I took a look at what are some exercises for the brain out there in my research and, and some simple things like crossword puzzles or Sudoku, uh, practicing simple math, 
writing with your hand instead of just typing all the time. Telling stories actually sharpens your mind. And then there are some websites that provide exercises for your mind. In fact, I put a couple of them here. Games for the Brain, that one is free. And then the other two have, uh, you, you know, you, you can do a couple of things for free, but then they want you to sign up and be a part of their system. I'm not getting a kickback from those. I just wanted you to know that there are options out there if you want to continue to sharpen your mind. Proverbs 15, 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. We want it. We want to feed ourselves on knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. And so kind of think about how it is that you approach your weeks. Are you feeding yourself knowledge? Are you, are you building yourself up with good nourishment for your mind? Or because there always is a lot of trash, right? Or are we just consuming Sort of the easy trash. The, the, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going into our minds, but it's really not stuff that's going to sharpen us, develop us, maximize our minds. Next fill-in, keep reading. Keep reading. Reading is a great way to continue to sharpen your mind, to continue to learn over the course of your lifetime. At Overlake, uh, Pastor Gary has been an inspiration to so many in this regard. Early in his life and ministry, he was challenged to read 30 minutes a day. And by and large, over the decades of Gary's ministry, he has been faithful to that challenge. And so what's interesting to so many of us on the team is that any conversation that we're in, any problem that we're tackling, Pastor Gary has about 500 quotes at his fingertips just ready to offer. I mean, he has inspired. I, I want to be on the same trajectory that Pastor Gary has, has taken because it's just so amazing the amount of wisdom and the amount of honor that, that, that we're pleased to offer Gary because he has continued this practice his whole life. It's brought him to this place, Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. And that is Gary. That's, that's the path I want to be on. Okay, this next truth is a truth that we all need to embrace, no matter where we are, sort of on the, the spectrum of our mind or our body or our spirit in terms of stewardship, and it's check your motive. We have to check our motive. We have to make sure that our motive is wellness, that our motive is stewardship, because self-idolatry is just as dangerous as any other idolatry out there. I found a great meme, uh, and it says this. It says, uh, well, I forgot to post on Facebook I was going to the gym. Now this whole workout was a waste of time. <laughs> so that's a motive, right? The motive for showing off, the motive of look at me, the motive of uh, check me out. I'm doing really well in this. So we, we can't pursue that kind of thing. We got to pursue wellness. Uh, we got to pursue stewardship, but it's, but it's not for our own uh, edification, our own uh, puffing up, right? In fact, that's true for our brains. We don't get educated. We don't get informed. We don't get knowledgeable so we can win more debates, so we can knock people down, make other people feel silly. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And I just want to say here at Overlake, we don't need better educated, self-important, self-focused sinners. It's not what we're seeking to build. No, no, we need wellness and stewardship. We all want to 
go after the, the sharpest intellect we can. We want to maximize what it is that God has given us so that we're ready to serve God wherever he calls, whenever he calls, however he calls. We're to use our minds and the energy that we have to solve the challenges and the problems we face and to bring his kingdom here as we serve. I found a great passage of scripture, Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. It says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. What I want you to see first off is in that passage that it's the interconnected whole, isn't it? You're talking about wisdom. You're talking about strength. Even your bones are a part of this spiritual truth. Here's a paraphrase I want us to think about. It says, look, we must be humble and willing to change. Our thinking has brought us to where we are. Be in awe of God. Reject the selfish, greedy, puffed up, gluttonous you. Then be healed in your physicality. Watch your muscles flourish. Enjoy the strengthening of your bones. Now, as we've been walking down this road of March wellness, I think it's safe to say that there have been a variety of responses to these challenges. There have been so many of you, we've had a lot of feedback in this series, and so many of you feel energized, you feel motivated, but there are a few others of you who this has been a really difficult series to go through, where this has been discouraging to you. And so I did a lot of processing this week, wrestling with God, just asking the question, why is that? Why is it that some of you have found this to be incredibly motivational, where others of you have found this to be almost shame-inducing, very demotivational? And as I, I did some of that wrestling and, and you know, journaling and even asking myself the question, uh, well, why is it so hard for all of us to be consistently good stewards? of our hearts, of our minds, and of our bodies. Why is this hard for all of us? And, and it brought me to a couple of realizations. And so I, I just want to share these with you, and, and, and then we'll see what God wants to do with it. But the, the first thing, and again, this is me. This is what I'm finding in me. And I know it's not just me. It's many of us. But, but the reason why I, I would set a 30-day goal and then not follow through with it I'm not saying that I have. Maybe I have, but you know, maybe I haven't. Maybe, I, maybe I'm great at it, my 30-day goal. You don't know. I haven't confessed that. But I'm just saying that, <laughs> that why is it? I'm just, hypothetically, why, if I set a 30-day goal, is it tough for me to follow through? Why, why is it hard for me to establish a new form of lifestyle for myself in these regards? And, and, and so let me just tell you, and again, this is, the hard, this is really hard. I had a tough time saying this at the first service. And it's this word. And I hate, I hate to use it. It's the word lazy. There's a, there's a little, and again, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm preaching to me, then to you, but so, so lazy. So here's what I mean. So, so I'm lazy about preparation. So when I, I'm lazy about making a list so that when I go to the grocery store, I buy the right food so that I can eat right when I'm in my home. I'm, I'm lazy about that so it doesn't happen. 
or you know I'm I'm late like it's like it takes energy for me to not hit the snooze button and to get up and go to the gym in the morning like that there, there's a laziness piece to that or you know what there's a laziness about the time management so I'm just always rushed so it's easier to just go through the drive through at the fast food than it is for me to do you see what I mean like that, there's that issue and then I was talking it over with my creative team and they said you know it's actually a little bit more insidious than that because we get entitled around our laziness. You know, and I, I worked hard today. I'm exhausted. At the end of the day, all I want to do is fill in the blank. All I want to do is be sedentary and binge watch, whatever. All I want to do is just get on technology and zone out for the next five hours. All I want to do is raid the freezer and finish that gallon of ice cream. Like, like I earned this. Are you tracking with me? It's entitlement around this issue. And again, it's not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to be, these are not huge, broad, sweeping statements. You should never enjoy ice cream. You should never watch TV. No, no, no not, not that. I'm just saying, like, I have to recognize this is one of the issues I have to deal with. That if I'm going to be a good steward, I've got to deal with, with this issue of lazy. Of course, it's not just our issue, right? In the first century, they were dealing with it as well. Hebrews 6.12, we do not want you to, what, become lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised, okay? So we just, we recognize this. And again, anything that I've mentioned now, these things alone, these one-time events, they're not the problem. They're the problem when I allow that to become my lifestyle. So it's not just one night I'm watching six episodes, it's every night I'm watching six episodes. Are you tracking me? It's not just one night I have ice cream for dessert. It's like every night I'm raiding the fridge. Are, are you tracking me? So that, it becomes a lifestyle that we have become entitled to. So, okay. There's another reason. It's even more foundational than this one. And the reason is we want to do something. We want to live in this way. So many of you, maybe this is where you are. You're like, the things that we've been tracking with over this series, you agree with. You, you know that that's what the Bible says. You know God has a plan for your stewardship, and you want that. But the issue is that we are right now in our own honesty and authenticity. We're unable to accomplish it on our own strength. And this, this is where some of us feel. The Apostle Paul was here in Romans 7, 18 and 19. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And I would just say that there is a deeper issue at play here. Right? This is actually true for all of us somewhere. This verse this becomes true for all of us somewhere, that there's a place in your life where you cannot do it on your own strength. Because if you could have, you would have. It's not a new issue for you, whatever it is. And if you take a look at, at the commitments on the hallway out there, you'll see that this spans all kinds of things. It's not just how we steward you know, our, our fitness or how we steward our diet or how we steward our mind. It's, it's more like I, I'm, I'm, I'm delving into substance and I don't want to. I'm delving into pornography and I don't want to. I'm delving into these other things. I don't want to. And if I could have changed that, I would have changed it already. Are you following me? And so we need help. And the first thing we need to recognize is that I can't. 
that, that, that I can't achieve perfection, that I can't make everything happen the way I want it to happen all the time. I just have to confess that I'm not God. And so that's the fill in here. Realize I'm not God and I need to stop pretending that I am. I'm not God. I can't achieve perfection on my own. I can't do all this stuff on my own strength. If I could have, I already would have. Self-control in these five areas is great, but in this area, I can't. Discipline is great in these 10 areas, but in this area, I fail. And so we simply recognize, I'm not God. I need to stop pretending. So just for clarity's sake, repeat after me, I'm not God. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, you're not God. (laughs) Some of you spouses, that was a little harder to do, right? (laughs) Oh, wow, that's great. All right, let's go to the next one. Next, fill in. Recognize you are unable to do what you need God to do for you. Recognize you're unable to do what only God can do for you. In other words, this is where we confess that in this area of my life, I'm a mess, and I need God's help here, right? This is that authentic, transparent moment. This is where I'm honest before God. God, I need you. In in this area, I don't have the strength. In this area, I, I don't have the discipline. And Jesus says this. He says, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor, In other words, that moment when you do confess vulnerability, authenticity, that you're humble before God, God, I I can't control this area of my life. Jesus says, you should be happy because that is the first step to this beautiful journey and relationship that I have for you. That is the very beginning of how God begins to work and to move in our life to bring his healness, his wholeness, and his victory. Okay, so we begin, right? The journey of Jesus begins with that admission. And then part of, part of what we have to admit is that we have these woundings in our lives. On your outline, I put a verse from Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah 6.14, and it says this, you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And so what happens is we limp along through life. And uh, you know maybe somebody else looks at us. Maybe it's a counselor or a friend looks at us and says, oh my goodness, it looks like your leg got blown off. And you're like, oh no, it's just a flesh wound. No, no big deal. Uh, I might not be able to run as fast, but I'm fine, Let, you know, hopping along. And, and we're pretending that we're not wounded. But you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those, happy are those who admit that they're spiritually poor. When you recognize, oh, yes, I've been wounded here, then suddenly you can invite the healing of God. And I'll just give you a a couple of examples. These are broad stroke. But maybe for you growing up, you didn't have enough food in your home. And so for you, food is an incredible security issue. And there's a deeper because of that wound of lack, now there's this, there's this thing that's going on in, in your world that, that, that food is how you communicate security to yourself. And, and, and so that's what's going on. And that's the wound. And if you don't admit the wound, then you're never going to experience the healing there. See, for others of you, there were, there were other things. There was other trauma in your world growing up. 
Maybe, you're, maybe your folks were alcoholics or maybe there was, there was violence in your home or something. And you know what? The only coping mechanism you had was to raid the pantry. And so for you, it's, it's not um, you know, security because you never had food. For you, it's a coping mechanism for how to deal with this emotional sense of feeling out of control. But again, if you don't mention, bring it up, understand it, not mention it, but like see it. If you don't recognize there's a wound there, then, then you can't invite Jesus to come into that wound. And friends, we could go down the list. It happens sort of all over the, the place. This happens in terms of how we process our sexuality. This happens in terms of how we can have intimacy with one another, maybe in a marriage relationship. This, all parts of stewardship. Maybe the way you deal with your finances, right? It, there's a wound underneath, and so you can't trust God. And so if this is you, I just, I just want to say, you do not have to stay in your isolation. You do not have to continue to pretend that you're not wounded or to put Band-Aids, you know, on the hemorrhage. We have a, there's a ministry at Overlake. There are many care and support ministries at Overlake, but on Tuesday nights, we do a thing called Celebrate Recovery. And it is an incredibly safe environment where you come in on Tuesday nights, it's in our chapel, we would love to have you come. All kinds of groups meet there. And, and, and again, you just come and check it out. You don't have to come and begin immediately to share what's going on in your life. You don't have to come. It's not like the first, you know, you walk in, oh, hi, I'm Mike. Well, Mike, come up to the stage. Let's hear your worst sin. You know, like, it, it's not like that. It's incredibly safe. It's absolutely, uh, uh, you know, it, it affirms the person and it affirms the process of sanctification, which means this that none of us are where we're going to end up, but all of us are on a journey. And the journey is that God is developing in us the character of Jesus Christ. That's what sanctification is. That it's a process of us moving from where we are now more and more and more to be like Jesus himself. Okay. So he will do this. He'll do this as we submit to him. He'll do this as we recognize where our brokenness lies. He'll do this as we become honest with the way in which we're coping with our wounds right now. And his desire is to sanctify all of us. I want to close by saying this. We don't engage in any of this stuff in order to earn God's love. He has already poured his love out on us. He already loves you. You don't have to do anything to get his love. He loves you right now. His love for you, the Bible says, it's unconditional, it's everlasting, and it's limitless. That's God's love for you. It's a done deal. That's settled. What's not settled is how you're going to respond to his love. So I would encourage you today to receive it. I'd encourage you today to recognize where it is that you need his help and invite Jesus into that very place, that you invite his love into your life that much more, that you invite his truth into your life that much more so that you can continue that journey of being sanctified, being made into the image more and more and more like Jesus himself. I put one last verse on your outline because this is what we're talking about. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Check this out. And may your whole spirit, 
soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the scripture says you're an integrated whole. It says all of these are connected. Your body, your mind, and your soul. And so what we want to do right now is we want to pray that verse over you, okay? So why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. And Jesus, we do confess that you want to sanctify us, and we want that as well. We ask that you would show us what it looks like for us to to cooperate with you, to submit ourselves to you so that we could experience your work in our lives as you bring your healing, as you bring your victory, as as you bring the picture of what it looks like to steward our minds well for your glory, that we would steward our bodies well for your glory, that we would steward our, our spirit well for your glory. And Lord Jesus, we just confess that there are these places in our lives where we cannot do it on our own strength. We cannot do it by willpower. We cannot do it by self-control. We just lack it in certain areas. So we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the courage to reach out, that we would either reach out in terms of biblical counseling, that we would reach out in terms of celebrate recovery. Maybe we just reach out with our best friend and we share, hey, this is where my struggle is. This is where I wrestle. Would you pray for me here? Would you, would you be open to dialoguing with me and being on the journey with me? Because I don't want that anymore. And Jesus, we know that you meet us there, where we are open, where we're vulnerable, and where we come to you with humble hearts. You meet us, and you bring your power, you bring your grace, you pour your love out over us. We're so thankful for that. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you.